0: Welcome, welcome. This is According to Callus. This is episode 244. And yes, that's right. This is going to be part three of the Hippies Got It Right. And war. What's it good for? Well, you know, the hippies, God bless them, were the last generation to have an organized anti-war effort. Now, you can say that they had the wrong motives you can say that they were cowards you can say anything you want to say about them but they didn't want to go to war and they didn't think war was a good thing and for whatever those reasons were i gotta tell you they were right and i know this is kind of an unpopular situation because you know i'm right of center i'm a conservative i'm a liberty conservative I'm a libertarian conservative. I am many, many things, but I'm not a warmonger. I'm not a neocon. I don't think that just because somebody doesn't have the government, I think they ought to, that I should go in and overthrow that government. I don't think because somebody wants a communist government that I ought to depose them, bomb the hell out of their country and tell them how great it is to not be a communist. I think they'll figure it out themselves. I think the less intervention that I get in, the better off we all are. But that just might be me. And again, I'm not saying that they had superior thought processing going on here. I'm not saying that they had noble cause. I'm just saying that they were anti-war. And once upon a time, that was the Republican point of view. Once upon a time, that was the conservative view. That we don't go into wars for no good reason. That we don't violate our kind of... They called it isolationism. I don't know if I agree with it. I could go with America first. I could go with uh, non-interventionalism. I could go with trade with all, fight with none. I-, I could go with any of those things which were a virtue. Which were positive conservative viewpoints. World War One was brought about by progressives. World War II was brought about by authoritarian progressives. The Spanish American War was brought about by progressives. The Vietnam War was brought about by the Cold Warriors slash progressives. What brought about the last two wars that we've been involved in for ever, Afghanistan and Iraq, were the outgrowth of the neocon progressive axis where they went about looking for monsters to kill and wouldn't you know it those people took offense at it and did something a little below the belt in fighting back we would call it blowback but you know unless you're Rudy Giuliani then you forget about that and it's atrocious it's terrible but it's also war now you could probably do three or four podcasts about war both the good and bad of it you could delve into all the horrors and the negative things that happened during war in the aftermath of war in fact you could go back to our own war between the states civil war war of southern succession whatever your color of choice of words is is irrelevant the fact of the matter is is the south got provoked and made a mistake to justify Mr. Lincoln's invasion. Both sides were wrong. Both sides paid a price. The South or the Confederacy paid a much steeper price. The same could be said over in Vietnam. Which is honestly what most of the hippies were against. They didn't want to go over there to kill the yellow man. They didn't want to go over there to fight communism. I don't care what their motives were. The point in fact is, is there was no reason for the United States to be over there. That's, that's the crux of the argument. And honestly, it's a good argument. If Japan wouldn't have been goaded into attacking Pearl Harbor by our bad behavior beforehand, we might've avoided world war two. Yeah, I know. I know that's dirty. That's messy. That was the last good war or whatever. That was the last war that we actually declared true. And then there was Korea. Eh, Terrible thing. A lot of dead people, both sides of the aisle for no reason other than the fight communism. And I don't say that to begrudge the individual soldier that went there because most of them believe they were dying for their country or they were making the world safe for democracy. They were brought in under the propaganda, under the schooling, under the education that they thought they were doing a noble cause. And honestly, I appreciate that and respect that a whole heck of a lot more than most other opinions. But let's jump forward. War, what's it good for? There must have been a thousand different protest songs. Most of which, honestly, nobody was buying it. I mean, Barry McGuire's The Eve of Destruction, that was a haunting song for me as a young man. I grew up listening to 50s and 60s, the oldies station, you know, with my dad. Either on the work site or going somewhere in his van. That's what we listened to. And that Eve of Destruction always struck me. Always hit me. There's plenty of other anti-war songs. I mean, one of my favorites, right, is Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And they're basically saying that we're going to go off and fight this war, but if I was the millionaire's son, there'd be a different option. If I was the senator's son, there would be a different option. But because I'm not a fortunate son, I'm going to go do this. You know, back then they had the draft, right? And the draft was the idea that because your government told you to, you need to go over there and go fight some other people that did nothing wrong to you ever because the government told you to. It's also known as involuntary servitude. It's also known as slavery. You know, we passed the 13th and 14th amendment in the aftermath of, or during reconstruction, if you will. And though many of them did it under duress, those states that you know, ratified those amendments, the outcome was supposed to be that you couldn't put people in involuntary servitude. You couldn't enslave people. Unless, of course, they were convicted of crime, in which case you could put them in prison and enslave them there because that was okay. But they weren't supposed to be able to do that. But, you know, it had been violated multiple times before. In fact, Mr. Lincoln created a draft that the Supreme Court actually said, no, you can't do that. But then we found a way to go back and do it again via Congress. Because Mr. Lincoln did it without their authorization, apparently. But, so we have a draft, which we haven't used. And we still have something called the Selective Service, which means that your government, your country, owns you. And they can send you over to a war. That may or may not have been provoked by us, because that's irrelevant, don't you know? Now, I would submit to you that if there was an actual legitimate invasion in the United States by a foreign country that sent armed people here to take over, there might just be more than enough volunteers to repel said invasion. Now, the workaround of that is, as you said, millions of people here in a slow trickle without firearms and you slowly undermine their society, and then you can take it over, because that would never happen, you know, we would never imagine such a thing happening, but that causes a capitulation without a war, but if you were to send those same amount of people in a quicker period of time, with rifles over their shoulder, to where people could clearly see it for the invasion that it is, I would imagine that you would get a war, and they would be Successfully repulsed. In fact, I would imagine we might just march on the other nation's capital that was allowing this or precipitating this or encouraging it, depending on your point of view. But we don't do those things. But I find it hard to believe that anybody's best interests were served at the local level in the United States for the average Joe and Jill. By going over to Vietnam, by going over to Korea, and fighting the communists. Seems to me that that was Korea's responsibility, that was Vietnam's responsibility, that was Laos's responsibility, that was Cambodia's responsibility, not the United States. Keeping in mind that we were still involved in Germany, Italy, (coughs) to a lesser extent, Greece. We're everywhere all the time, trying to be the world's police officer and military arm. For what? We're Pax Americana, only we have no peace at home. We're undermining the main principles of which we were founded. We're violating the precept that says we don't go searching the world for monsters to destroy, lest we become that monster. And if you want to go back to the song that I referred to, In the previous episode, Named Monster, by Wolf, if you will, they talk about the very thing that we've become a monster. Now, I don't know what's more scary. The fact that the hippies, who, I mean, most people from my generation dismiss them as a bunch of wackadoos, misinformed, misplaced values, whatever, Most people in Gen X kind of disregard them. But when they're right, they're right. Let's look at what positive things came out of Vietnam. Oh, wait, I can't think of any. Let's look at the positive outcomes of Korea. Well, I guess we did save South Korea. I'm not convinced that they wouldn't have been fine if we wouldn't have been there in the first place, but okay. So, I mean, we got some really cool electronics and a couple of nice car companies and you can argue that there's a, I don't know, 40 million people or whatever is over there now uh, living in relative peace, harmony, and first world country in some places. Okay. Uh, Maybe. Of course, you can also go back and look at Korea's historically been under the thumb of either the Chinese or the Japanese for centuries. So I I guess maybe that was a positive outcome. But I still think that was the Koreans' war to fight. I mean, heck, we could have sent the Japanese there, but yeah, that didn't work out so well the first time they were there. Uh, Now, Europe's a little more tricky situation. Because the vast majority of the population in the U.S. up until the 1960s were in fact of European descent. But strangely enough, prior to World War I, nobody really wanted to get involved in European wars, including the Germans. Who actually made a valid argument that the Germans were really not doing anything wrong by European standards in World War I and prior to World War I. But, you know, the progressives, they pushed us into that war just like they pushed us into World War II, just like they helped us get into Vietnam and Korea and everything that has come since. And they, the hippies, they missed that. They just saw government and they were right. They saw the Republicans that were by and large saying, hey, we're over here. We need to finish this out. We need to do right by our people. Well, Okay, fine. But the Republicans didn't do it on their own. They had plenty of help from the Democrat. And they were all generally progressives. The hippies got right that war was not good. That war was not a beneficial thing. Setting aside the generally not negative outcomes of World War II. Which we probably would have avoided had we not made a mess out of World War I. Which would have probably then avoided the Korean War and the Vietnam War. But far be it for me to question our history of the last couple hundred years because that would be revisionist and unfair of me but the hippies understood that i don't want to go over there and die for nothing i don't want to go die for some promises that somebody else made somebody made promises that never ever had to pay that bill now that war machine they made their money those executives made their money the government officials made their money, but our fathers and our grandfathers, and, and in some instances, grandmothers and mothers, paid a very stiff price. I mean, and we're just talking about the people that didn't come home. Never mind the ones that came home missing limbs or other body parts, or their brain was messed up. They slid into alcohol or drug addiction because they were messed up from that war. Any of the wars. Now, if somebody invades us here, oh, 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 all bets are off. Red Dawn was just a primer of what's coming down. Even with the soft, weak, sad Generation Y and the Millennials, they'll buck up. Somebody comes in and takes away their cell phone tells them they can't eat their mcdonald's they're going to take that pretty seriously and even if it's three percent that was more than enough to chase off the army of the british empire but i suspect there's a whole lot of gen x and maybe even a few uh boomers floating around that take that stuff pretty seriously not to mention an entire two generations of former military that would never ever stand for any foreign entity invading the united states Unless, of course, they come over real slowly without firearms. Then, of course, it's okay. But again, we've gone over to Iran. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a lie. We haven't actually been in Iran, at least not officially. We've been in Iraq, Syria, Jordan, but don't talk about that. Israel, but don't talk about that. Egypt, certainly don't talk about that. Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. Oh, no, we can't admit that either. Saudi Arabia, where we have bases that, of course, provokes the uh, Muslim Brotherhood to get all antsy. Why are we in these nations? Why are we fighting these people? Yeah, okay. You're right. Thirteen guys came over here, took out the Twin Towers some might say they were on the bankroll of the CIA or the FBI, and I'm sure we knew all about them, but did nothing to stop it because, well, you know, it's what we wanted. We wanted to, you know, make some money. Practice our warfighting skills. Maybe, uh, push those Soviets, or, oh, I'm sorry, the Russians around. I'm not convinced. I'm really not. I don't buy the official story, nor should you. I don't know that we'll ever know the truth but I do know that basically there's two generations of men and some women that have gone over there in the sandbox and get shot at and then shooting at the other people that have suffered for what? Now, that's not to say they didn't do good, positive things while they were there. I'm just saying that maybe the reason why they were there wasn't real. I'm just saying maybe there was a false flag That brought us into a false situation that gave us (laughs) an outcome that we knew from the start. What new government in Afghanistan? What positive reforms? They've gone back to the same tribal laden government run by Islam that they had for hundreds of years. They call it the Graveyard of Empires for a reason. Now they didn't successfully take out Alexander. He kind of did that to himself. They did fight off the Persians. They did fight off the Russians. They did fight off the British. And they fought off the Americans. Now I suspect it was only because we showed restraint and we forced restraint on the Russians that they still exist. I mean, back in uh, 2002, I was all for turning it all into a glass pool. Little did I know how wrong I read that situation. Yo, an Islamic country was hiding an Islamic cleric that said bad things about the United States and maybe just maybe planned out a terrorist attack that maybe just maybe had some help by our very agencies that are supposed to be protecting us from that. Hey, but don't worry. They got to hire a bunch more agents, got a whole lot more money. And their corporate masters got their money too. Don't you worry. It insured us of eight years of George W. Instead of just four. It laid the groundwork for his replacement. The big O. Look. Spend a little time looking at history. And question things. And that was the other thing the hippies really should have taught us. <laughs> they said don't trust anybody over 30. Well, yeah, I've been over 30 for 20 years. And I still don't trust people that are over 30. They said... Question everything. Well, I still do. But what do they do? They said, uh, you know, the government's not on our side. No, they were right. We talked about that in episode one of this, right? Part one. Government. Don't trust them. But the reality of it all is, is it breaks down to war. They didn't want to be part of the war machine. They actively rejected the idea that they should go over to another country and fight another man's war. I can respect that. And again, I understand some of these people were cowards. Some of these people just didn't give a rip. They had misplaced priorities. I understand all of that. But let me ask you something. You're sitting at home. You're 19 years old, you're minding your own business, you just graduated high school, you're looking forward to a life filled with a pretty girl and a nice little house and maybe some kids. And then somebody shows up at your house and says, your life is not your own. We're sending you to some country that you have no idea where it is. You can't even pronounce the name of it to go fight somebody that's never done anything to you because we said so. And oh, by the way, we're going to rip you out. Tell you you have to go there for two to three years. And we're going to give you six to eight weeks worth of training to prepare you for the hell hole we're going to throw you in. Now, do you understand why some of these people would not be enthusiastic about that? Why some of them might question whether or not that was a good thing. Do you understand why they might be a little bit rebellious? Now, for those veteran brethren that i subscribe to right we're on the same team here i did a couple years in the navy granted i served in peacetime but i signed of my own volition i gave up my life for two years to serve what i thought was the greater cause my country because i love my country i gave an oath to support and defend the constitution with no expiration date but i had the crisis of confidence when i was in there when there were certain opportunities that maybe would have been available to me had I wanted to put in the effort could I realistically go to another country or even my own country and kill somebody else that I didn't even know because somebody else told me to and I came to the realization I couldn't do it that wasn't in me but let me assure you if I was serving on my ship with my shipmates and somebody came after that ship I would have done everything and anything to repel those invaders or that attack. Whether I would have done it for my shipmates, whether I would have done it because it were my orders, whether I would have done it because I was protecting the ship or protecting my country, you're damn straight I would have done it. Because that would have been my duty and I would have took it very seriously. But if I got an order from anybody in my chain of command that said, Callus, you're at home, you're with your wife, you have a daughter but your job is to go over here and go kill this person because we told you to. Man, I don't know if I could do it. I don't think I had it in me. And I know that my veteran brethren's out there that they could do it. And they did do it. I'm not sure that they always were doing the right thing. And they were truly following orders. But they believed they were doing the right thing. They believed that those were legitimate orders. They believed that They were protecting their country. And man, I got to give them a lot of space, a lot of credit, and a lot of grace. And if I were to be talking to that gentleman and somebody were to come up to us and accuse them of being a baby killer or accuse them of being a war criminal or whatever else, I'm going to get a little red behind the ears too. I'm going to get a little upset. Because somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about is coming there and getting in their face as somebody that served his country and believed he was doing the right thing and believed it was a righteous cause. Now, I might not agree with that individual sitting across from me that it was a righteous cause. But in no way, shape, or form am I blaming him for that. Because unlike when you're in the FBI, unlike when you're in a government agency, you can resign. You're going to give up your benefits. You're going to give up your retirement. But they're not going to throw you in prison. They're not going to treat you as a deserter. When you're in the military, you signed over your life. Uncle Sam owns you for that period of your enlistment. Or if you're an officer for your period of uh, the contract. Right or wrong, we get involved in something. It's your job to go. And you better hope that the people in charge in your chain of command are doing righteous things. And as long as they're not giving you illegal orders, your job is to go and do what they're telling you to do because you gave your life to Uncle Sam. You gave your life to the country. That's entirely different than a federal agent. Oh, they'll tell you it's different. Not at all. They're going to tell you that most of them served and that may be true. They're going to tell you that they're serving the greater cause. They're going to tell you. Anything and everything They're going to call you civilians Well the fact of the matter is and Unless you're an enlisted man or woman Or an officer Everybody else is a civilian Everybody And it's very aggravating to me To hear anybody from a federal agent To a local police officer Refer to me Or anybody else As a civilian They're civilians too I'm a civilian. I don't serve actively right now. I'm former military. I don't wear that on my sleeve. I don't bash people over the head. I don't say how great I am. I don't, honestly, I don't believe I'm that great. I'm just a guy. I served for a few years in peacetime. I have a deep reverence for the people that put themselves in harm's way for doing something. that, quite frankly, I don't know that I had it in me. But I can tell you one thing. If I did go there... And I did serve. I would have done everything I could to protect my shipmate, my bunkmate, my friends, because I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. And it's great with my 2020 hindsight, I can look back and I can say, man, I don't believe that story anymore. I I don't, I don't know. But boy, I can tell you in this spring and summer of 2002, I was facing a crisis of conscience. Eight years earlier, I had been serving active duty. Seven years earlier, I had been in the reserves. And I met men, and I met some women. They were my brothers and my sisters. It felt like I was abandoning them by not going and serving with them. But as my wife pointed out to me, I had a higher calling. I had a wife. I had a daughter. I had a responsibility to my family now that superseded my responsibility that I had formerly had To my country. But God forbid there's ever an invasion. God forbid our government ever goes completely rogue and violates completely the restraint that the Constitution puts upon them. Because I, like everyone else in the military, gave an oath to the Constitution with no expiration date. And while I don't want war, civil or revolutionary period, end of story, I don't want war. It's a mistake. The hippies got it right. You don't want war. For whatever their reasons were, I will second that. You shouldn't go around starting wars. You shouldn't go around antagonizing people. You should try to make friends with your enemies. You should try to work together on the things that you can do. You should trade with all of them. But you don't give away the farm. We gave away the farm to China. I mean, we gave away tons of stuff to Germany and Japan after World War II. We thought we were helping them out. We sold ourselves out to the Chinese. God help us if they ever invade. They got at least five times the amount of people we do to throw into the meat grinder because that's how they fight their wars. That's how they were able to put a successful stalemate in Korea. Wave after wave after wave of people. Man, you can only mow down so many people before it starts to break you on the inside. I don't know that I've ever run across a machine gunner that sat on a fence line and mowed down people in, I don't know, any war. And you mow down wave after wave of people, that's got to eat you up inside. Consider that. Do you want to live with that? Do you want to live with the realization? I mean, God forbid. I mean, at least as a bomber pilot, you don't actually get to see the destruction. But if you have any conscience whatsoever, and you're carpeting bombing whole sections of a country you gotta think in the back of your mind in the recesses when it's all said and done how many thousands of people did i kill or maim how much devastation did i wreck yeah you're gonna console yourself over those people deserved it they were the enemy that was the right thing to do but many of those people were civilians they had nothing to do with what was going on it was just because they didn't think that we should be on one side or the other that's a tough thing to handle War is not something you should look forward to. War is not something we aspire to. Conservatives are supposed to reject war. We're supposed to be non-interventionists. But the neocons took over the movement. Libertarians, man, they're the first people to tell you, Hey man, we want to trade with everybody? We don't want to war with nobody. Some of them would lay over and just allow them... I'm speculating. Just let them get stomped all over rather than pick up arms. And then you got another group within the Libertarians and say, hey, I'm fine, you do your thing, i will do my thing, but you come get in my face, I'm going to blow you away. Well, maybe it's an exaggeration, but again, this is according to Kallus. It's kind of my opinion, and what comes off the top of my head. But let me ask you, in the crux of this 30 minutes that I've gone over in this kind of stream of consciousness, have you been convinced Do you think war is a good thing? Do you think this is something we should want? If you do, you might want to go get your head checked. It should be the last thing. It should be the very last straw. There should be no other recourse before we go to war. I mean, do you just kill somebody because, well, they offended me? No! There's so many steps before you get there. The same should be true on the national level. Again concept the hippies got something right this is a part three (laughs) war not something i'm looking good looking for i suggest you shouldn't either hey but as always if you thought this is entertaining educational enlightening exasperating whatever like share the show comment on it give it a thumbs up do a review let other people know There's an alternative voice right here in Collin County, Texas. Spread the word. We can make a difference because I got to tell you, I am that guy that thinks one man can make a difference and I'm going to keep doing what I do until I no longer have breath in my body. And with that, this is According to Callus and I will see you on the other side.